moon, 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 night, moon, night, moon, night, 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 moon, 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 night, moon, moon, night, moon, 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 waking life and dreams, waking life and dreams, waking life and dreams, waking life and dreams, moon, 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 night, moon, moon, night, moon, 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 Yeah, cheers, thanks. Thanks, that's terrific. Yeah, hello, Pod. I am Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the third and final (laughs) 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 Moon Knight spoiler special episode, uh, dedicated, of course, to the brand new MCU Disney Plus show starring Oscar Isaac and Oscar Isaac. Uh, This is dedicated to episode three, The Friendly Type, directed by Mohamed Diab and written by Bo DeMeo, Hold DeMeo, and Peter Cameron and Sabir Persada, three writers on this episode, of course. And I have three colleagues of such lethal conchu cunning to join me to discuss this uh, on Squadcast this week. Why are we on Squadcast, James Dyer? Uh, I, I, I don't know, really. Your own <laughs> lack of organisation is the only thing I could possibly This is uh, something of a botch job because James is something of a botch job later on because he's talking to the one, the only, my face is my warrant, yep. Hieronymus Bosch himself, <laughs> Titus Welliver, it's and true. he needed the studio to do so. It's the strangest thing, though. Like, I was at home in front of my computer and then I felt a bit dizzy and then I woke up here in the office... Blood all over my hands. No idea what's going on. Frankly, I'm quite worried. That's how you usually commute, though. That's fine. That's just that's just Camden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just called working in Camden. Uh, we're also joined, of course, by our geek queen Helen O'Hara is here. Hello. Hello. Uh, we're all on Squadcast and uh, equally on Squadcast. Just north or south of the Watford Gap is the 17th best dressed man in this squadcast room. <laughs> oh. I wish there are four people. Excellent, oh, Matt. Who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> what does it say about your clothes? I'm on, Warman. <laughs> My clothes are awesome. You need to get your eyes checked. Hello. <laughs> wow, this is a very Everyone's contentious adversarial. <laughs> Everybody's salty. Is this because I um I picked a rendition of Blue Moon that none of you somehow knew, yeah. despite the yeah. fact that it is the final version of Blue Moon we hear on John Landis's masterpiece, An American Werewolf in London? What's the one sung by the mice? That's the one we were thinking of. That's what, the one from Babe. Where do the mice... Oh, Babe, in that was it. Because in my head, I was like, I know this song. It's sung by mice. And I couldn't remember <laughs> why or how. how only that it was sung James? by mice. Is it sung so, by two mice? Two or mice is it sung true. by yes. more it's than two mice? four mice. Four or five it mice, is four as mice. I remember, yeah. 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 Four mice. Anyway, I'm appalled that none of you knew that version of Blue Moon by the Marcells, of course. We just preferred uh, the mice one. 
You, we you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. Mm. This one has the boom, ba ba bomb, ba 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 so anyway, so thank you for joining in or just staring at me in stunned horror as I... <laughs> no idea what was happening. I'm going to have to track myself later on and, and it's, going to, it's, going to be, it's going to be a hell of a thing. Uh, anyway, enough dwelling on the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra. Uh, it is time to return from the opulence of the Overvoid and, <laughs> and delve into this, this episode. Uh, and folks, we should talk about portals. <laughs> we should. Yeah, good good idea. Someone write that down. That um, could be amazing commute, couldn't it? Just like a, a doorway <laughs> opens in the wall of wherever you are and you just step through and you're in the office. Be great. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. It would be. All portals lead to Camden. <laughs> and, yeah, and being covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> um this uh was a bit less successful as an episode for me. That may be because it was more Mark than yes. um, than we wanted than Stephen. Um, it may also be that there's a lot of stuff happening in this episode. Like I, It wasn't until I watched it again that I was sort of clear on, okay, so this is, what has the scene transition been? Like, I feel like I blinked for a second and I missed, why are we chasing this guy? Who's who's he? Yes. Why are they there yes. now? You know, it, there was a lot of that. And, and I felt like the, the transitions were not as smooth or as I mean, you know, to make myself sound stupid, telegraphed as normal. I didn't, I didn't have a clear sense of who was where and why and when mm. um, a lot of the time in this episode. I agree with that. Uh, before, you, before you guys come in, um, we obviously have seen the first four episodes of this show, and I wonder if they kind of knew that this was a problem episode, mm. and maybe that's one of the reasons why they showed a mostly finished but not entirely finished fourth episode to us we've talked about how there's a, there's something that happens in the fourth episode in particular that is really really cool and mm-hmm. uh, and you know um well i won't spoil it obviously mm-hmm. but i wonder if they showed the fourth episode because the fourth episode really is memorable for a lot of different reasons uh and it gets the show back on track after what i say is something of a muddled third episode mm-hmm. yeah. uh and we may not know ever, we may not ever know, there may not have been a problem with this episode, but I would say the presence of three writers might indicate that there was a problem with this episode. And there seems to be an awful lot of, it's it's, it's an episode, there's a lot of good stuff in this episode. We're not, yeah, we're really not, good. you mm-hmm. know, we're not denigrating this episode uh, overall, but, you know, it feels to me like it was doing a lot of heavy lifting and didn't always succeed in doing the heavy lifting. There's an awful lot of exposition. There's an awful lot of introduction of interesting concepts that I don't think it was 100% successful in introducing properly. If you'd written that down, would you have written concepts K H O N? Because I feel like that's that's what this episode was. When uh, when I watched those four episodes, because I obviously reviewed it, so I saw those early on, and I, this was the first misstep for me because I loved episodes one and two, and I watched this, I was like, oh, oh, is, as, as has this series now, you know, essentially walked off a cliff because it worried me a little bit. I think partly yeah. the reason why or, it doesn't or cut its hit, time then fall off a cliff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Exactly. Praise Ahmet. I think one of the reasons this doesn't hit its mark is quite literally because it does hit mark. Because we have two, there's two little Stephen in this, as Helen said. Like, <laughs> like the lack of Stephen, I think, is felt through this because you've enjoyed his company so much for two episodes, and suddenly, look, Mark's quite vanilla. And I just think uh, you've got that, and then you've got the change of scenery, and you've got the change of pace, and the kind of the, a slight steer away from comedy and onto plot, plot, plotty, plot, 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 plot stuff. Mm. That sort of like fundamentally changes what the experience of watching this show is. Also, and I think from a dramatic point of view. You cannot expect the audience to get excited in an episode where they're trying to find something, where the thing they're trying to find is quite literally found in the second scene of the episode. And it's just like, so there's no suspense here. It's like, you're looking for something. Okay, but it's already been found. So 
I'm not invested in you trying to find it. And you can dig up however many random collectors of antiquities you like. You can start, and I can't emphasize this enough. Like, if you have a star map and you say, oh, I wonder what the stars would have looked like 2,000 years ago. I don't know. Fucking Google it. No, no, no. Let's turn back the night sky through time <laughs> and change the heavens. Do we think that's a bit of an overreaction? Your sky is not a thing, James. <laughs> James, which, uh, which, which website would you go to Google what the sky looked like 2,000 years ago? You can 100% do it do on it. the internet, yep. see what really? the night sky looked yep. like at any point in time. You could yep. totally do it. But no, Conchu decides to actively reverse time. <laughs> in fairness, it might be that you need to know like a place in order to do that on on the web but like they know hackers surely they know they're surely. very competent people surely. they could figure out a way to do it, it was it was a cool visual though it was it, it, mm. look, don't get me wrong it was extraordinarily cool i mm. absolutely fucking loved it from a, a storytelling point of view and from a conshu <laughs> having power and also there's a little bit of like pathos in that scene for him because he's like i remember every night there's real kind of yeah. Yeah. loss mm. and sadness and just the weight of centuries there and i really loved that um, but at, at the same time, it was a massive overreact. It was a five dollar mm. solution to a ten cent problem. Yeah, he's going to be so pissed when he gets out of a stone prison and realizes <laughs> that he could have just googled this all along. <laughs> yeah. uh, it would have been so much easier. And you're right; it's the first time we've we've begun to think of him really as anything more than just this bloodthirsty bruiser. Uh, whether we get to see Konshu again, I'm sure we will. I'm sure. But we'll whether <laughs> yeah, it'd be a massive shock if we didn't. But you know, it remains to be seen. But uh, Amon, this is your first time on one of these spotter specials, so I wanted to get your your take on the episode, but also. So the show overall, you have 23 seconds. <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying the show overall, having a lot of fun. 16 <laughs> no, seconds, come on. <laughs> forget this, Forget this. you know, this this time, you know, restriction here. I'm just well, you just court. used it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do agree in that. And that's all the time oh, we have, my friend. I'm on. He is salty. He's a salty one today, isn't he? No, no, seriously. Have as much time as you want. Thank you, Chris. No, I, I do agree that this episode was messy and I found some of the storytelling to be a bit weird, especially when it came to the Summit of the Gods, which is a really cool concept. But I have a lot of questions about that scene in particular. Um, <laughs> because if you go into the meeting saying our case against Harrow must be indisputable, and then you go into the meeting and you have nothing but accusations, no proof, what do you expect is going to happen? You know what the stakes are. You know what they could do to you if this goes wrong. Have yeah. a bulletproof case to actually bring. Men's that- rare, Amon. Men's rare. <laughs> men's yeah. rare. But it did, I mean, it's not even just men's rare. There's no actus reus proof there either, which, as we all yeah. know, is the other element of necessary yeah. in proving a crime. I was just about to say that. I know you were. I know you were, Chris. Obviously, These two. You know. At least you don't watch Law & Order in the same way that you and I do, Helen. Uh, what they should have done, obviously, is they should have sent Arthur Harrow a questionnaire and got him to fill it in. Mm-hmm. Are you digging for Ahmed's tomb? Have you been digging for Ahmed's tomb in the last two years? Yes or no? And then they would have just fined him £50. Pounds, uh, and he would have got on with the job. <laughs> yeah, social commentary there. I, I just I do think though that it was a very very uh, bad presentation of their case. There was mm-hmm. a lot of mental health shaming uh, mm. though in that, which I thought was um, could have been brought out a little bit more. But it was it was quite upsetting actually to watch basically Mark and Stephen's experiences be completely put aside on the basis that he you know he has an, an illness, he has something in their in their view wrong with his head. So they just completely discounted his entire testimony on that basis, which seems, you know, harsh. Um, 
But I think it was Konshu who was the real problem. So maybe this is also a, a character scene, I guess, for mm. Konshu, uh, showing that you know he may have aims, he may have strategies that he wants to do, but he is absolutely incapable of delivering them uh, by himself. He he is not good at politics at all. I do think that if we ever, God forbid, get called up in front of a courtroom and have to argue our case, we should absolutely do it as if possessed by the spirits of Konshu. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is nonsense. <laughs> that was Which was amazing. Yeah, was I only wanted a Twix. <laughs> I don't know how it got into my basket without me paying for yes. it. I am not guilty. <laughs> the other thing about that scene, which is interesting, and I'm not sure how intentional this was, and I'm going to go for right now with not intentional because they don't give any voice to it. But Amit's whole thing is about taking people off the board before they commit an act. By calling for this meeting, Konshu is trying to take Harrow off the board before he commits the act. They don't really give any voice to that. Huh. Okay, but, okay, so in mythology, that wasn't her oh thing. <laughs> this was like, she was there after death. She was one of the people who, you know, once once your heart was thrown away, she devoured your heart. She didn't do this. This is a whole retcon, I believe, I've on the mythology. Like <laughs> <laughs> but... The, <laughs> but I do think that the um, that Harrow has committed to Max. Like first of all, he's murdered a bunch of people on her behalf. Mm-hmm. Second of all, he mm-hmm. has actively sought the Scarab, actively saying he wants to free Amit. So there is an act there. There is an attempt made. It's like attempted mm-hmm. murder. Not he may not have committed the murder yet, as it were, or he may not have committed the escaping yet. But he has. It's like you can be arrested for burglary if you're near a house with a bunch of burglary tools. That's essentially what they're arguing for Harrow in this one. Okay. Yeah, like the dude has glass in his fucking shoes. Listen to him walk. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly untrustworthy. He's yeah. clearly up to no good, and they they do no due diligence whatsoever. None. They just basically yeah. take him at face value. Are you doing anything bad? No. Oh, okay. He seems trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. He's very calm and he keeps his voice down. You know, and yeah. that. Uh, but that, that's that, that classic thing, isn't it? You feel a little bit like because. Mark slash Stephen slash Conshu is emotional. He loses the argument because mm-hmm. he can't keep an even temperament. Whereas Harrow is very calm and a little bit gaslighty, and mm. uh, and totally, you know, yeah. gets him fucked. And even Northern <laughs> Irish God seems to believe him. Yeah. I mm. can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> I mean, can we though? You're mad. <laughs> I'm all for Northern Irish people popping up in unexpected places. Um, although that was a source of much contention for many years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, boy. I am the Avatar. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. Look, we don't have any superheroes, Ireland. Like, not since they took um, freaking Banshee away and made him American. So, you know, some representation is damn well overdue. So we'll take an Egyptian god. Thanks very much. So we bring it. He's the Avatar of the Egyptian god. He's not the Egyptian god. Close enough. You know, but uh, but it was just such an unexpected thing to hear <laughs> because obviously Fra Fi in um, uh, and his brother Fofum. because <laughs> 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 obviously Fra Fi in Hawkeye is Northern Irish, but he was playing an American, wasn't he? So Russian, you know, I mean, Russian, Russian, yeah, and Russian American, I mean, a Russian who lives in America is what right. I was yeah. trying to say. Are those guys Russian? 
weren't they? The Russian, yeah, the tracksuit mafia. Yeah, the tracksuit mafia. Russian, mafia anyway. Really? I thought they were yeah. like Romanian or something. Oh, well, they, oh you uh, learn something new every day, don't you? No, they might well be. I mean, I can't remember where they're from. It's hard to tell. It's hard to probably tell. look this up. Nah. <laughs> I'm going to turn the sky back 2,000 years yeah, that's right. and find out. <laughs> It'll be much easier to look at that way. Um, but, but just to hear a Northern Irish voice just made me feel at home. And he was passing judgment to someone as well, which is very Northern Irish. That is very Northern Irish. <laughs> so is that how he sounded like to you? Because obviously when I listened to it, he'd been overdubbed by an English accent. It was completely different. So hey. yes, that's, what he means. <laughs> that's a 90s humour there yes. for people. <laughs> Oh, my word. I wonder, one thing about that trial that, that kind of did sit with me, because I, I kind of, when I first time I watched this, I thought, what is the point in all this nonsense? But, but when you see Moon Knight come out to play, as he does, and and I'm sure Amon really loved this, kill the shit out of a whole bunch of people, you start to realise he's quite wildly overpowered at this point. Like, he's essentially bulletproof, he's impalement-proof, he's got, he has no problem killing everyone. And you've got to think that there's not a lot... St- I mean, maybe Arthur Harrow has powers we have not seen yet, other than his magic walking stick, but you think that actually, for the sake of drama, depowering him does feel almost necessary to a certain extent, it, especially because in now you've essentially just got Mark Spector, who is essentially Jason Bourne. So he still has powers, he just doesn't have supernatural powers. But I wonder whether it keeps the stakes interesting. I think there's probably something to that, yeah. Because, I mean, he, otherwise he was basically, it sounded like he was, it was like one of these werewolf myths. He heals every time he goes into the suit. Mm. And there's actually a line about that in the episode. That's so right. um, this, this does mean that he can be seriously harmed at this point. But to answer your question, James, I did enjoy that scene very much because Moon Knight is called Moon Knight. He is not called Batman. I noticed that too. Oh, very good. These are the keen observations people tune in. That's right. Um, The Moon Knight, not the Dark Knight. But yeah, no, that was cool to see him throw down uh, and use his crescent daggers, uh, Mm. batarangs, whatever. Oh, no, they're definitely not batarangs. Moonarangs. 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 For legal reasons, they are not batarangs. <laughs> that, that, was, that was cool. I like the I like the, his cape unfurling into a moon for a split mm. second. Was, was, that yes. was very cool. Yeah. It also occurred to me that when he comes out and he is Moon Knight and he's in white, that he is Hans Bubby. He's your white knight. And look what happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> but we talked last week, didn't we, about the fact that this is a show called Moon Knight and they seem to be keeping Moon Knight off the, off the table for a long, long time. Now, is that because he's mostly CG? So it's, you know, it's it's tougher on the on the budget, or are they just leaning into the Oscar Isaacness of it all? I I like to think the latter. I mean, mm. I'm sure there are elements of the former as well. I'm sure there's a producer somewhere just like thanking their lucky stars that it it's isn't 100 percent moonlight at all yeah. times. We can afford 45 seconds of moonlight <laughs> in this episode, by the way, folks. Uh, but you know, there was a decent amount in that fight scene in the the horse ring, you know, mini. Louvre thing that they were in. It was, you know, there was a decent amount of fighting there. That was the cool. outside Louvre. Uh, I do appreciate that they tried to give Mark Spector a little bit more character development this time as well. I agree that he's very much a borny, you know, hyper competent, super military dude that we've seen before. But in that on that scene in the boat, they mm. are trying to suggest a little bit of depth to him and a little bit of yes. character and something to in some way match mm. Stephen. Also, the scene at the top of the cliff where, you know, he is he is a bit frantic. He is a bit frazzled. He's on the edge, literally and figuratively. And he mm. uh and he's he's a bit different than the kind of, you know, cool super dude we've seen before. So I so I think they're trying something. They're trying to show that he has regrets about all the secrets he's kept, that he regrets that he's 
not closer to Layla, but also mm. that he phys- like almost cannot tell her everything. Not just because, oh, I'm protecting her, yeah. Blah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all that bollocks, but like it is not his nature to tell anyone any anything. So the fact that he's told her even as much as he has is a massive step for him, and, and he's just not able to go that extra bit mile. He's still sort of special agent boring McBlanderson, though, you know, compared to Stephen. Compared like, he's still to quite Stephen. Tedious. Yeah. But like all of us compared exactly. to Stephen. <laughs> this is true. He, but he's putting the, the bore and born at the moment uh, yeah. for, for for the most part, I would say. I mean, he's still Oscar Isaac. He's still a, a very charismatic presence. He's still a great performance. Uh, you know, this is one of my favorite acting moments in the entire show when he transitions so beautifully from Stephen to from from Mark to Stephen. Yeah, and you know the cheers, thanks, you know, and he just completely <laughs> changes his body language and voice in the in the same shot. Um, some people will not be impressed by that. Let's just say it's acting is what he gets paid for, but it's impressive, folks. Take it from mm. me. But there's there's something about I wonder if, and again, hopefully we'll be able to talk to Jeremy Slater and Mohammed Diab after the show has finished its run, and. I wonder if they were slightly taken by surprise by how much people mm. glommed on to Stephen and by how much people drew attachments for Stephen's very, very quickly and whether they were surprised by the fact that Stephen pops in a way that Mark doesn't yet. I think, I mean, maybe, yes. I think we're still very much coming at it from Stephen's point of view and, and Mark is, is very much playing catch up. But I think they they will now have their work cut out, basically making us care for both and perhaps someone else, as we've discussed, and I think we should discuss further in a minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the but like there there is a real effort here, and also I mean you know I talked about the the scene on the boat, also the scene on the rooftop, the rooftop fight. There are moments of humor there. There are moments where Mark is reacting in ways that you might not expect of the super competent spy trope. Um, you know he has got something else going on and. They just need to amp that up a little bit if he's ever going to compete with the adorable Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that uh, street fight uh, on the cliff. I think that there have been hints at a third identity lurking around the mm-hmm. edges, but that was our clearest indication yet because uh, he kills people and it's not Mark and it's not Stephen. And I mm. believe it when they both say that it's not them. And I'm thinking that that third identity might be Jake Lockley who is one of the uh, personas <laughs> in the you, comics. Um, was he pissed off he just didn't pay his his fare? They didn't give him a tip. <laughs> well, the, as you say that, he is a cab driver in the comics. I'm not sure what persona he's going to take on here. I think but it's going to be he, different here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, he, I, wanna, I still want to be a cabbie. <laughs> but he cabbie is not, cabbie. But his speciality is sort of gathering information on the streets and having that uh, sort of <laughs> element to him. And he's, he's able to do that while keeping Mark and Stephen in the dark. Um, yes, so, Dark Spectre. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's there, interesting. There is another clue to the third identity, and it's in Ooh. the credits. Um, if you watch right through the credits, all those slightly trippy images, there's a bunch of stuff that we've already seen. There's you know pyramids and temples and, um, and things like that. There's also stuff we haven't seen. There's what looks like a hospital um, at one point. And there is also a bit where you see um, a profile picture of, uh, like, side-on profile, not a profile picture from like social media, but a profile, a an profile, image yeah. in profile <laughs> of Oscar Isaac, and then it sort of explodes outwards, and there are like three yes. different faces that come off that profile, not two. That's correct. But that's been in there since episode one as no, well. I know, as, but, as, yeah, as someone's pointed out. No, yeah. it, it's it's very very cool, and it does I think uh, indicate that there is a at least one more personality mm-hmm. in sort there. Of split. Lots of questions about what the personality 
is, what they sound like. Is this a personality that asked the woman out in the first episode? If yeah. so, then it, does he have his own personality or is he doing affectations of Mark and Stephen's mm. voice patterns and, and speech? Is there something a little bit more going on here? It's Northern Irish identity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is he the reason that the security guard called Stephen Scotty? Mm. Yeah. Oh, see, I, I probably not. I, just I don't think so. I think that's just him getting his name wrong. But yeah, it's been <laughs> I, that's suggested. what I thought as well. But that's a, that's a very good point. That is a very very good point. You know, we you never know. You never know who else might be lurking. What I particularly love Scotty about that is when we know. watch that episode, <laughs> we saw it as a that was a fucking deep cut reference to Euro Trip. <laughs> <laughs> like, who was that for? <laughs> that fair play to you. Fair play to you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Matt Damon song. Anyway, uh, no, the thing that I was, when we watched this, obviously we watched an unfinished episode. There's a bit where he's chasing them on the rooftop and he gets them. We were like, oh, look, there's a bit of green screen on the corner of the roof. I wonder what that's going to be. And it turns out it's a bit of green tarp. That's what it is. That's what it is. I have never seen a tarp that color. That was a crazy shade of green. Uh, yeah, that w- that was, it was a bit distracting. Maybe Not this is effect. the most Irish episode yet. There's green everywhere and there's an Irish fella. And um, that's all we got. Someone, someone gets really drunk and the sky spins around. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to turn the clock back to 2,000 years ago. Can we talk a little bit more about that scene? Because at some point, I hope we do get a scene, whether it's in this show or another show or another Marvel film, where somebody of note, be it Fury or Wong or Captain Marvel, is keeping track of all the weird stuff that is going on and making mm. a note of it. We've got a celestial coming out of the ground and whatever. We got one division. We got, we got people, you know, turning back time. Somebody's going to be documenting this and doing something and mobilizing mm. or something. Like, yeah, something. Something is yeah, I, I love it. I mean, look, they do do that, but I love it when Marvel refers to these things in passing as, you know, just like shows, like, like in um, Far From Home where they had the, you know, the footage of the moment where everyone blipped back in and it was just because yeah. somebody was filming a high school game and then everybody bumped into each other and fell over. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff I live for. But you're right, we need it for this. We need it for the Celestial turning up in London. We need to see more of that weird crossover and have somebody like Wong just sort of looking, shrugging and going back to work. Because yeah. that's the way the world is now. Well, there's a lot of interesting things to dig into there with that. And now we don't know when this is set, for one thing. Uh, we talked last week about how it's the first MCU show, Loki aside, I guess. But Loki is clearly informed by the events of Avengers Endgame, and this is the first one to not even really reference that. Uh, or it doesn't reference the blip, it doesn't reference the snap, it doesn't reference any last stuff. We we assume it takes place in what we are laughably calling present day in the MCU, which is like 2023, 2024, mm-hmm. 2025, take your fucking pick. Uh, it, it's the only one that so far has not even mentioned crowbarred in a mention to any of the other shit that's happening. Even Eternals goes out of its way to mention Thanos and the mm. Avengers. And it's the only one that doesn't mention it. You know, you don't get anyone going, oh, this is a guy who has a cape. Like that other fella, none of that has happened so far. I thought we established it takes place in an alternate timeline where the 25 bus goes to Tottenham Court Road. So. <laughs> <laughs> it used to go to Tottenham Court Road. So it happens oh, in the past. It used to. It's set in the past. <laughs> the point was the route, James. The route was all wrong. Helen, what did you make of the Egyptian uh, geography this week? Were you happy with the, the back lot that they built in Budapest? <laughs> Excuse me, that was actually, they did actually film in the Wadi Rum. So I'm pretty sure that was Jordan. Um, but that's she why it looks it. like that's why it looks like every desert movie ever because they filmed in the place where every desert movie films. 
including our beloved Dune, James. Yes, I did notice a sandworm in the background. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Photo bombing um, the shot. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, I, I, I thought, uh, I thought the desert stuff looked appropriately deserty. I'd love to go desert to Wadi Rum. You know, anybody, if you're listening, if you're setting up a set visit to Jordan, I volunteer as tribute. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow, could be anything. She doesn't. It doesn't get shit about all these films. All right, so there's a couple of other things to talk about before we get into some listeners' questions. Uh, this was a much more Layla-centric mm-hmm. episode. We got to know Mae Kalamawi a little bit more. She had the cold open dedicated to yeah. her, which is interesting. Then doesn't show up for another 25 minutes after that. Uh, but there is, you know, she got more to do, more conversations with Mark, more hints at their at their uh, past relationship, including a what I thought was a very interesting bit of information, where she was talking about you know, everything that had happened in, because obviously something bad has happened in his, in his life to bring Conchu into his life, but also to, to, to fracture and splinter Stephen off the way that he has. But he says, I had it under control. So he must have always had DID. He must have always had Stephen and a and other, and maybe a and other. Yes. Uh, in, in, you know, fighting him for control. Um, and then Conchie came along and fucked the whole thing up. So that was interesting. But then we also have the, 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 the little hint towards the end that, you know, Stephen holds a torch for her and she holds a torch for him. There's, there's lots of torch holding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I thought that was, both things are really interesting. So in terms of the first one, there are slight references in other episodes so far to the fact that something happened in the fairly recent past that has led to this thing. And there's, there's you know, references to, I think, to... Conchu basically, you know, essentially maybe saving his life, it sounds mm-hmm. like, and mm-hmm. that trauma having led to Conchu taking over, but then also kind of controlling him via threat, which is why he's been trying to keep his distance from her. Uh, she's clearly got some shit going on as well, which we learn about in this cold open. Um, you know, a discomfort with going home, maybe a, a slightly rootless childhood on her father's digs, um, things like that. But but I think it's it's clear that Stephen has has been around maybe longer than that. And I think the 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 affection for Stephen is maybe necessary because it doesn't seem like either of these characters are going away. So assuming, look, assuming, and I have no right to assume this and I'm not actually fully on, fully assuming it, but if this show had a happy ending, then she would essentially be in a menage of at least trois with Mark and Stephen. Going forward, are you suggesting that this show is going to end with the world's first threesome with Oscar Isaac and <laughs> May Kalamawi and Oscar Isaac? I, I am not suggesting that, but I am suggesting emotionally, Chris. I'm suggesting emotionally, An emotional threesome. She okay. has to, she has to be into both of them if they're both parts of her husband. The other, the other thing I would say is we, we complained last week about her just turning up very fortuitously out of nowhere for no reason. Also, I mean, we were all complaining last week about Layla just turning up out of nowhere for no reason. Um, She does the same again this week. And I kind of wish she hadn't. I kind of wish she'd tracked him to his hotel room um, because I feel like I feel like it would have, you know, made a bit more sense, first of all, but also it would have allowed private reconciliation between them. You could have had that. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, they've clearly washed and showered between the afternoon meeting and the evening thing, haven't they? So I'm just saying there could have been some, you know, getting to know you, reacquaintance activities. And and there's no real even allusion to that, which I think is a bit of a shame. Mm. Mm. I mean, she did come to him with like divorce papers. 
Yeah. <laughs> so she's not. Well, the divorce papers that he'd sent her, not the not the reverse. I don't think she's 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 infested in him. She wants you know, she, and it must be so strange for her because she clearly likes Stephen. There's a moment where Stephen appears mm, yeah. uh, towards the end of the episode, and you know he says something about yeah, Egyptian mythology, and he you know he and we have. By the way, can I can I praise our restraint in not doing the Stephen Grant voice loads in this episode? <laughs> so restrained. I don't know whether it's because we're not in the same room together. Yeah, that's, but, I, yeah, that's 100% what it is. That's that's mm. what it is. But you know, he talks about Egyptian mythology, and she's like, "Whoa, yeah," because you know, it's just like he's got the mind that she wants in the body that she wants. But it must be kind of weird for her at the same time to you know, just imagine if if you your significant other suddenly started completely acting and talking in a completely different voice. Yeah, it's natural for my wife. It happens to. <laughs> all the time but you know but that that must be so strange and so i think she does a really good job of, of capturing that sort of slightly weird dislocation it's that, like that, oh hello sexy nerd man who are yeah. you <laughs> yeah. yeah i think steven says et voila and it's french yeah it's french. Et voila. yeah it's french yeah two years of duolingo has taught me that. yeah she no the, he i mean he's adorable of course she likes steven but also um you know, not to get all Freudian about it, her dad was an Egyptologist, and now there's this guy who's an Egyptologist suddenly. Oh, looks like Oscar yeah. Isaac. Yeah. To be fair, he did take an ancient shroud and do fucking origami on it and turn it into I a star. I had problems <laughs> with that. And I was that. like, what yeah. are you doing? You it know my feelings on this. Yeah. You know my, I just, it, it upsets me every, I know these are props made for the show. I know no real <laughs> actual 3,000 year old tombs have been desecrated and it still upsets me. I don't like it. But what it. if they had? What if they had? What if they found a 3,000 year old tomb and blew the shit out of it just for a TV show? I'd be totally on board with that. Again, they could have taken a high res photo on the iPad, you know, yeah. shuffled some bits around, boom, Bob's your uncle. Well, we've established they can't even use Google, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a Bing guy myself. Ooh. <laughs> that's the ultimate burn for culture that's, that's no need when it comes to Layla I think this episode is the clearest indication yet that they are uh, she's very sort of heavily based on a character called Marlene Orwan or I think, sorry, I think Marlene Orwan or Marlene Orvanu I'm going to go with Marlene Orvan um, who basically th- th- there's a lot of similarities for to the depiction of that character in the comics to Layla especially when it comes to her father being an Egyptologist and being involved with events that may or may not get explained in the future episode. We shall see what happens to that. But I agree with that. And I think also Helen's point about Layla just turning up when the plot requires her to. Uh, someone wrote in saying, is that because there might be more to Layla than meets the eye? No, I think it's just... It's, She's a transformer. Just, yeah, she is. <laughs> it, would, it would explain it. Oh my God. It would conchu prime. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think there's more to her than meets the eye. But I think it's a function of yeah. maybe some fairly join the dots writing. But I also think that this episode's full of that. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, you know, they, they Harrow turns up at the end to stop them finding the tomb that he's already found. So what's it matter to him, really? I guess. But uh, how does he know that they're there? There's like a there's a little moment where they they see someone trailing him, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then of course, why does Mogart have the thing that they need on public display mm-hmm. at his house? It just felt a little bit. Neat. Well, so there's I mean there's possible explanations for all of this. So you know, as as I said last week, like Layla. Did appear did say she was tracking his phone, so I guess we're meant to think she's doing that again. 
but I still think it's, as you say, you know, very much point to point writing. Uh, in terms of in terms of Harrow turning up, he does have people everywhere. Uh, it is awfully convenient that he's within a very short distance of Mogart's house, though. Um, and in terms of keeping things on display, that to me is a bigger problem because again. These are ancient relics. They should be in climate-controlled <laughs> chambers. They should not be in admittedly cool glass pyramids that recall, of course, I.M. Pei's famous structure outside the Louvre, obviously tying into his French identity. Wonderful joined-up thinking there. But <laughs> it, come on, guys. They should yeah. not be open to the elements. It would be hot as a fuck in there during the day. It's Egypt. Mm. Uh, yeah, and he's in a glass yeah. You know, he's in a glass, a glass house. case of emotion. Mm. Yes, he's in a glass case of emotion. Yeah. Also, like when Harrow leaves, like you've got to think, like instead of I don't know, turning back time two thousand years, follow Harrow. I don't know. I'm just. I mean, I'm not a <laughs> yep, spy. Yep, I'm yep. the first to admit it. I'm just saying that would maybe be my well, approach. Hold on. By the time they've dealt with the goons, Harrow's long gone. Yeah, I think that's the uh, that has to be the explanation there. But also, I mean, but he's, but he's got a walking Harrow, stick. How far is he's got glass in his shoes? <laughs> I mean, I, I do also wonder: does Harrow fly commercial? Because you know he flew from an mountainous country, let's call it Switzerland. Although I saw right. some crazy theories online that it was Latveria or somewhere. Um, oh no! But he's flown from mountainous country to yeah. London in yeah. no time at all. He's now in Egypt pretty quickly. He's come in from AN desert location that definitely isn't the Wadi Rum into Cairo pretty quickly. You know, he's getting around awfully, awfully briskly for a man with glass in his shoes. <laughs> we don't know how long has elapsed between episode two and episode three. Uh, we don't know what the time jump is between Conshu saying to Mark, we got to go to Egypt. And then obviously that transition to him waking up in the hotel room in Cairo. Uh, does he fly commercial? I would say no, mm. because he would have to take his shoes off <laughs> at the airport security. That would and not that, that would create a oh. lot of questions. So many questions. <laughs> And also just stains on the floor. It'd oh be messy, yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Just not hygienic. Guy, oh, no, it's not good. It's not good. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, there's a couple of last things I want to talk about before we take some listener questions. Um, we should talk about Gaspar Uliel, mm. uh, of course, uh, who's, who's, who appears in this episode as, as Mogart, a.k.a. Midnight Man, which yes. is his sobriquet in the comics. I'm not sure we will ever get to hear him called that, and and rightly so. It's a stupid fucking name. Uh, hey. In in what well, Midnight Man? No, it's it's a cool name. It's a cool name. Is I it? think to be called Midnight Man. Oh come on! If somebody started calling you Midnight Man, you'd be like, "That's cool." I'm usually <laughs> yeah, by Ted. <laughs> Brunch boy. That's not cool. But Midnight Man. See, I've turned around to Midnight Man completely. We'll talk about him in a second. But I don't know if we've interrogated the third personality and his murderous uh, rage mm. enough, because that's really striking. So if it is Jake Lockley, why is he killing people in a murderous rage? And what did we make of that, that fight sequence? The you know the not just the one on the cliff, mm. but also the one on the rooftop. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a decent. Uh, you know, is that Mark Spector the one who suddenly can wipe out six blokes without blinking, or is that someone else who's been doing that? I think well, that's a good question because you know Mark seems Mark and Stephen seem to need permission to switch between each other, and there was no permission given in those fight scenes and. Was that episode one? It was episode one, wasn't it? Um, yeah. There was no moment of permission. There was no conversation about that, which is how the other guy, if there is another guy, seems to work. He just mm. seems to step in and take over. So you might be right. Maybe it was that guy who did those things. But those at least you know, aligned with Mark's interest in terms of keeping the scarab out of Harrow's hands. 
True, but Stephen does take Mark's body without permission in this episode. So it's Stephen who takes control of Mark on the mm, rooftop true. and brings him into the cab and walks him away from the, the fight. Mm-hmm. And we assumed then it was Stephen who takes him over when he's knocked out or about to be knocked out by the by the guys, but it's not. It's the other fella. Mm. So, but this episode does seem to also represent a sort of uh, an advance in relationship between Mark and Stephen and that they're a bit more comfortable with giving each other, with acquiescing a little bit and giving each other um, control of the body. Even, you know, down to that moment we talked about, you know, cheers, thanks. There's also the really interesting moment where last time where Mark said that he promised Conchu he could keep Stephen under control, that that was part of the deal, right? There was something to that yeah. effect, not, maybe not those quite those words. But Mark doesn't seem to know about the other guy. So does Conchu- Neither does Conchu. Does Conchu, that's my question. Oh. Very good I question. I don't think so, because um, when Mark comes to, after he's killed uh, the dude and- Conscious, like, take the other dude to the cliff. Mm. And I'm, what I'm thinking in that moment where the third persona has taken over is that he has gotten information out of uh, the thugs that they were fighting uh, already. And if Konshu knew that, then I'm guessing he wouldn't have bothered to the taking, saying, take the guy to the cliff, he's going to talk. So you think the the third per, the third guy the, yeah. the other guy I'm just calling it, going to call him the other. So <laughs> yeah. you think the other guy actually got something out of yes. the one survivor on the clifftop? Why do you think that? Because that's what he's known for. If 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 it is Jake Lockley who is the best at sort of getting information out of the criminal element, it's definitely not him. I don't <laughs> think it's him. You don't think so? No, I, unless you've got some homicidal demon cabbie, I think I'm fairly certain well, it's going to be a kind of split type be, deal. They don't have to stick to the whole cabbie thing of the comics. They can switch it up. But I think also, like, you've got a special agent killing machine guy. So I, I, I wonder whether this, this guy has to be something else. Unless, okay, in the comics, Mark has a lot of guilt because of some bad shit he's been involved in in his past. Um, but he may be kind of offloads that all onto a third persona. So it's like he's offloaded his his own guilt, his own mm-hmm. rage, his own pain, his own worse instincts. We're getting into Hulk territory here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh my God. Basically, Stephen is lovely, lovely Mr. Hyde who's just trying to make himself the best version of himself possible. Lovely Mr. Hyde. Sorry, lovely wow, Dr. You... Jekyll. And then okay. Mr. Hyde is the, is the guy, is the other guy. So Mr. Hyde is the, everything that, the that Mark con- considers worst about himself. Of gods and monsters. Yeah, yeah. I think I, you might be onto something there. You, you, yeah. you might be onto something. What if this is a show full of Northern Irish references? We've had Green, we've had a Northern Irish God. Amazing. What if his third personality is Liam Neeson? Yes, and he just turns up and kicks the living shit out of people, and no one questions his accent because they can't quite figure out where it's from. <laughs> anyway, um, before we get into listener questions, let's talk a little bit about Midnight Man, uh, about. Uh, the, the, the late Gaspar Uliel, who passed away, of course, in a skiing accident uh, shortly after Moon Knight had wrapped mm. at the age of 37. Um, what do we make of the character, first of all? I, I don't know whether we'll see him again. I think the moment where he he, he rides off into the fog may be the last time we see <laughs> with him. A, with, a, with a moonerang in his back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a good performance and 
it's a character who's intriguing and I, and I love his robe. 10 stars for his robe. Oh my God, that robe. fantastic. I That's just, how you wear a robe. I just wish we'd gotten more time with him. It felt like he was there too brief to really yeah. make an impact because they were trying to establish history between him and Layla. And as they were doing that, within like minutes, he is turning on Layla. He's being very easily led by Harrow. It felt like a lot was happening in a very short amount of time. So he didn't really have the opportunity to really leave mm-hmm. an impact, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if they, they were planning more or something, or if they were planning some tweaks or some reshoots that he never got to do. Um, but it, it did feel weirdly rushed. That was one of the scenes that I find most sort of confusing on a first watch that mm-hmm. I didn't really, why is he doing that? Who is, why, how do they know each other? What's happening? Um, yeah. Maybe I'm just very stupid this week, it's possible. But, I, I you know, it just felt inorganic too much. in a way. And, and I think he is a really good actor. He's also, I feel like, been working on his English. His English is better than I've, the, uh, I'd ever heard from him before. So I, I felt like maybe this was meant to be, you know, a step towards something bigger mm-hmm. for him, which is a, a shame. But, um, but I thought, you know, he, he's a good actor. I just wanted to see more. So maybe, maybe we will see him again. Maybe, maybe they were planning something else for down the down the show. But, um, but yeah, this if this is all there was, that that's a shame, frankly. It- feels to me like this is the way to use characters like this in a in a six episode limited series you know rather than necessarily for example as much as i love tony dalton you know i think hawkeye could have used jack in the same way mm. in that show rather than feeling that you have to use a character in every single episode you can just use them as as and when Maybe. required um so this is him his plot function was to introduce um mark and steven and layla to the the, the tomb of the bloke. Saifu? Senfu. 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 There we go. So, uh, but yes, indeed. Uh, very, very sad to see Gaspar Uliel knowing that we will never see him again. Um, okay, should we have some listener questions? Can I say one thing before we get to listen to the questions? Uh, okay. Because we've gone two and a half episodes without saying this man's name. And... I feel like we should be talking about Hesham Nazi's score a little more because it's great. Uh, is it though? Oh, come on. Is it though? That, that theme fits Moonlight like a glove. And it's really, I love how versatile it? it. Oh, come on. It's really I good. I think it might be one of the weakest parts of the show. Oh, be qu- that's, that's not true at all. I, I really love it. Couldn't hum it if you held it. I'm not going to that place here. Honestly, you guys, when it comes to humming themes, especially you, James. If you had a moonerang at my throat, I swear to God, I couldn't hum a bar of the music of this show. Yeah, I, I feel it's kind of one of the weakest points of the show. It feels like it's been recorded on a Casio keyboard. Oh wow! At least we now we know where the show is. Like one of my favorite things about that first episode, because I, I love a good theme reveal, I love a good suit reveal, and I love, what was the other thing that I was going <laughs> to There's like three things that happened in the last 20 seconds of that first episode, which are really, really cool. And the theme is a big part of what makes those final 20 seconds really good. Yes. Moon night, moon oh, night. I, I'm not saying our theme is better than their theme. Oh my God. But it might be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I really, really love it. Um, and I love the... Uh, 
inclusion of uh, Egyptian uh, music as well, in addition yeah, to that. that. That's really good. That's my favourite bit, actually, I have yeah. to say. I like the score. I, I'm not entirely with these two guys on that, but I'm very, Thank very you, much Helen. enjoying I'm very, very much enjoying the Egyptian <laughs> pop. It's, it's cool. Yeah. I think the final track is by a dude. Got that up here. It's called Enter by DJ Kabu, which, re- which, re- which, which recurs throughout the episode mm. as well. It's really cool. It's a, it's a bop. Right. It's a bop. Okay. There you go. Now we've ticked off Amon Talks About the Score <laughs> on the Empire Podcast Bingo. Let's move on to the listener questions, shall we? Here comes one from Jason94 at underscore, at Jason94 underscore MUFC. I saw Madripoor get name dropped in the latest mm. episode. Is that something we should be taking more notice of? Or is it just a throwaway line? I think that just says he's dodgy. She hangs out with dodgy people. I think that's all that 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 mention means it's the power broker helen it was the power broker all along <laughs> but like he's the kind of person who would have done business with her right so spoiler there for uh, falcon and the winter soldier but oh. yeah. yeah i mean it's one of the few connections to the wider mcu so it's notable in that regard in this show um but yeah that's a good point that's the first that's the first time that's, that's even happened but no one's mentioned you know people who jump like spiders and things like that. Uh, anyway, Bloom C93 says, does it count as cheating if it's a different identity in the same body? This is my thing. You know? So, kind of, maybe. So they're trying to figure something out, I guess. Maybe, possibly. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I think it's it's a it's a weird um, dynamic, isn't it, between between Stephen and Layla? Hey, I think it's, it's fair game. She's, she's separated... It's absolutely above board. She's not with Mark anymore. They are done. Yeah, yeah. She's on. She's you know this <laughs> getting divorced. This is a relationship that could flourish. Yeah, which would be really fucking weird for Mark. <laughs> Imagine getting remarried. A different persona in the, of the same, same guy. Mm. Oh my god! Imagine her. Imagine her honeymoon night. Oh, and by the way, can we just say that whenever the people start ululating as on the on the boat ride, because yeah. that's what it says in the subtitle, it says ululating. Uh, so uh, Mark says, "I haven't heard that sound since our wedding," which doesn't say a lot about his prowess in the sack. Now, does it? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Oh my god! Just gonna, wow! Just gonna make that connection. <laughs> anyway. Oh boy. Anyway, just imagine their wedding night. If Stephen gets married to Layla, and then Mark is watching them get down to it, dance the beast with the two backs, and and Mark's banging on the mirror, have forced to watch the whole thing. Presumably, if you're Stephen, you cover all the mirrors, yeah. all shiny objects. Yeah. You get matte paint for your bedroom wall. You know, you just do the whole thing uh, in order to stop Mark dropping in. Oh my god. This is very That's twisted. A, it's, it's a wild <laughs> ride. It really is a wild ride. Uh, here's a, a comment from at they call me Mr. Q. It says I like the idea of them removing Moon Knight's powers by turning Conchu to stone, even if it's only temporary. Uh, but now it looks like they'll have to use other tools to stop Harrow and revive Conchu. I like how Stephen is showing his worth through his knowledge of Egyptology. Mm. And yeah, I love that as well. I love the fact that they're keeping Stephen engaged and and active, and you know that they're not just handing off to Mark Spector. Yeah, no, that was cool. Like for the first couple episodes, we've seen you know Stephen yield to Mark to do all the kicky punchy fighting, but now it's the reverse of that. And when uh, Mark needs to call on Stephen for his skills, there's that great scene at the end, which I liked. <laughs> there, there, there's a funny scene in the final fight though, where Stephen tries to take over Mark's body for a second. <laughs> He's like, yes. no, take, take the body back. <laughs> yes. Take the body back. Which is funny. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed. 
The only problem with Stephen being the expert is that it leaves Layla very little to do, except mm. know some people. That's that's really all she's been able to contribute. And and hold so an iPad. That, that and hold an iPad. Like it, it yeah. you know what I mean? It just feels like she is in theory growing up on dig sites. She has grown up with an expert, one of one of the great experts in Egyptian archaeology, we think. And 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 yet she defers to Stephen, who's been reading some books for a few months when he had um, insomnia. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's but, fair. Like, she, she does have some agency in this episode in particular, though. And she only knows- some though. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't <laughs> want too much now. <laughs> and she handles herself pretty well in that final fight, um, which I enjoyed. And her fight, I think, with the henchman Beck is cool. I like um, that she had the sort of moon knight daggers. Yeah, she mm-hmm. took them yeah, off her person nice. to tease. That was cool. Yes. And then and then stabbed him in two places that would not kill him. And then ran away. <laughs> well, she's oh, not a as fatal ruthless. clavicle injury. <laughs> <laughs> he won't be able to make the lacrosse team for a good three to four months, but otherwise he'll be totally fine. Um, but also, we don't get a really sense of of her dark background, do we? Like she has to go into a Cairo under an assumed name. You know, she's going. Oh, you know, she seems to be plugged into the, into the the criminal underworld, and she says, "Oh, my name is is not you know essentially not welcome here in Cairo." Maybe that will play uh, up in in future episodes. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just feels unrealistic to me that uh, they've been in Egypt for an entire episode and there hasn't been a single Mo Salah billboard or uh, <laughs> indeed uh, Mo Salah mention. And in fact, it's taken three episodes for you to mention the real Egyptian king. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with me here. Uh, at Irish Curry. Uh, at Irish Curry says, given each end credit has a new phase of the moon, does episode six end with a full moon or a new, i.e. no moon? And bonus question, is the world ready for full moon Oscar Isaac? <laughs> <laughs> I think we got more than that, didn't we, in uh, Scenes from a Marriage? Oh. Mm. <laughs> what? Sure is Ahmed. Didn't get to see his conchu. <laughs> we saw us waking life, we didn't see his dreams. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Could you tell them apart? Never mind. Um, <laughs> Steady. Wow. I think he, well, okay. Well, no, because he doesn't know the difference between his waking life and his dreams. Oh, that's, that's true. That's, true. that's yes. why. That's where the okay. ululating comes from. I think. Uh, anyway. So yes, no, I I don't know um, which phase of the moon we end up in, but okay. Hey, cool. All right. <laughs> I am not swarly. Asks, and this is clearly one for the Egyptologists in the room. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting that in the Council of the Gods, Anubis and Thoth, 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 Thoth. Yeah, it's Chadwick Boseman's character in Gods of Egypt. Oh gosh, that is it. Yep. Lest we forget, who's who's Cherry Butler's character in that? Isn't he Amon Ra? Or I think he's Amon Ra, isn't he? Or Cyrus? I don't know. He's one of the biggies. He's one of the biggies. All right, look at that. Gods oh of Egypt God, 2016, no, directed by Alex Proyas, of course, uh, starring, uh, let me see here. Come on, internet. Pay enough for you to work. Set. Uh, Jared oh. Butler is set. Yeah. Is he? Yeah, he's set yeah. for life at this point. Nic- yes, <laughs> Nikolai Costa Wildow is Horus. Um, Rachel Blake is Isis. Uh, Ryan Brown's in this movie. Just to be clear, did you look this up on IMDb or did you just turn back time to the ancient Egyptian era <laughs> to find out who they were? James, if I could turn back time, 
You would find a way. If you find a way. <laughs> I would take back all the things that hurt you. And I'd stay. And you'd say. <laughs> Is it you say or stay? Stay. 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 It is we stay. should know this. We did this in karaoke I've a couple weeks ago. I've done this in karaoke ago. like a lot. <laughs> if I could reach the stars. <laughs> what are we talking you'd about? Give anyway, you'd give them all to me. Give them all to you. We're talking about the Egyptians. Uh, that, the Egyptian that, gods. That, Thoth. Th- Thoth. That were definitely cast in the gods of Egypt. Oh, you are Nuf- such a bastard. Thoth. <laughs> right. Are missing. This is from I am not swarly. From the and I am I am not Ennead. I am not swarly. Right. Yeah, from the Ennead. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so Anubis and Thoth are missing, considering the immense connections to death and knowledge. Mm. That's, That's a good point. That is a good mm. point. Maybe they're just like hard at work or something. Uh, <laughs> but yes, it doesn't seem super concerned with you know Egyptian mythological detail. If we're perfectly honest, um, but that does seem. Unfortunate, uh, because the god of wisdom would be quite useful, wouldn't he? Thoth. Yeah. And the newest god of the dead would presumably have something to say about both Konshu and Amit uh, overstepping their limitations and their their place in his system. So um, it it does seem unhelpful that they're not there. Because mm-hmm. because of course Konshu is not one of the Ennead. He's not one of the nine. He's one of the major gods, but he's like way down the list. Yeah. There's and a if you're lot going, of Egyptian gods. If you're going for the further Fenom overtones, and Fenom is kind of the the the, the runt of the litter, if you will. And there's a sense here that Conchu is a little bit like that, it, isn't he? Yeah, he's I mean he's not. He is one of the majors, but yeah, he's not, you know, super duper league. He's not Premier League. <laughs> That's confusing. <laughs> he's championship. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's won the majors, but he's not a grand slam. No, he is, but he is—he is, he is, he is like, Premier League. Okay, but he's but not like, Premier League. Okay, he'd be like he'd be in Wimbledon, but he wouldn't be seeded. What? He'd be seeded in Wimbledon. They seed be thirty-two players. Yeah, he'd be a wild card entry. There are thirty-two players on a tennis team. No, oh, it's my not God. a team show. <laughs> it's a tournament. Oh my god! I'm very confused. So they've got an outhand. So um, the character that speaks to to Mark and gives him a handy bit of exposition about the, the Hathor. Show. Yeah. So Hathor. Yeah. Yes. So the character that she is, Diana Bermudez, is called Yatzel. Mm-hmm. And she says that Conchu enjoyed Hathor's melodies. Um, I felt like now, a euphemism. <laughs> I know, precisely. To which Mark Spector, being a man devoid of any humour whatsoever, <laughs> just goes... <laughs> just goes the only melody that Conchu knows is pain. Whereas I'd have gone, really? Oh, I, well, I, I bet, bet he did. did. I bet anybody <laughs> did. Uh, this is why you're not one of the personalities I can't help but feeling. Yeah, no, she, uh, she, she was a goddess of music, among other things. Also fertility, dancing, love, mm-hmm. pleasure, beauty. Steady. Ululating all over the place. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if she has a connection to Konshu that perhaps might come in handy in future uh, installments. Hang on. So so is Ra around in any of this? Because wasn't Ra the king of the Egyptian gods? But Mumra. Yes, the ever-living. <laughs> uh, look, yes, but also there, there were there, various of them have been like killed and brought back to life, like Osiris was at one point. So Ra. like Osiris is... I mean, Ra is kind of hands-off, and Osiris tends to be more hands-on. I mean, obviously, I have a theology degree, but all my knowledge of the Egyptian pantheon basically comes from Stargate SG-1, so you need to bear <laughs> right. that in mind. Well, I mean, well, I mean I, I, Stargate SG-1 kind of covered it in that case, so oh, I'll just fine. leave it okay, to them. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, while we're talking about this, we have a question from Bon Idol. 
who asks, if the Egyptian gods are real, what other pantheons are? Will Phase 5 be introducing Hercules? Well, for example, Russell Crowe is rumoured to play Zeus in Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Uh, if they are real and magic... Uh, are Thor and Co. also gods or just technologically advanced aliens treated as such? And someone else, hmm. whose question we'll I hope you will be able to find, asked, how does this tally with our previous knowledge of gods, quote unquote, in the MCU, which is, of course, uh, that they're basically just a very advanced civilization. So the Asgardians are not, Thor's not a god per se. They just have very, very advanced technology. Hmm. We can't tell the difference between advanced technology and, and magic. <laughs> and dreams. <laughs> uh, but the Egyptian gods and the presence of the celestials would seem to indicate something else going on. Yeah, I think we're into different layers of the Marvel Universe at this point. I think, I think Thor does in the comics as well as in the movies walk that line of being an alien pantheon. Um, but we also have Doctor Strange who is dealing in magic, what we would consider magic full on and not particularly technology. Um, so I think it is okay to introduce gods at that point as a sort of native magical confluence of energy kind of a thing. There was a line about them possibly losing control of this realm. Well, stepping back from this realm, wasn't it? It was almost more like a voluntary um, withdrawal. Yeah, I don't think they control the realm. Although, you know, you have to wave away their... There's a, there's a hand wave for why they didn't intervene with Thanos as well, with, with, with this one. Um, but yeah, it feels like maybe there's just different... There's reality, as Helen was saying, as some, some gods... Uh, again, quote unquote, are in charge of certain aspects and some aren't and how that all works. I don't know. There's obviously some great AGM, <laughs> some horrendous AGM where this is all divided up. They did have one of those in Supernatural once where like a bunch of different gods from different pantheons got together to decide if they should yes. actually intervene um, to stop an apocalypse. Um, this is true. So, you know, they, that could give you some real dramatic meat. Maybe we'll see that in Thor Love and Thunder. We wouldn't know because they still haven't shown us the freaking trailer. <laughs> It's like 85 days away as well. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. That's, just that's, that's, saying. That's, I don't that's ask totally for much. Fine. Just, just relax. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. What have they forgotten to make the movie? <laughs> uh, all right. At Ferrari 1FER86. That's a catchy name. <laughs> At what point does the pod team think the rumoured banner Hulk cameo will occur? Sorry, what? <laughs> what? I haven't heard this rumor, so I haven't been Neither thinking about I. it. I'm not. I you know I don't check out this stuff. I don't. I don't keep my ear to the ground at these things. I like to um, discover things as they go. But if it's as rumored as Reed Richards was in WandaVision, then we <laughs> might be waiting some time. Uh, but so apparently, there's rumors that uh, Ruffalo might show up. No, I don't see that happening. If 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 anyone cameos, I think this is not on a Mon guarantee. <laughs> but, <laughs> I just want to clarify that right on the gate. But if All anyone right. cameos, I think it might be Blade. Blade. Lead. Blazer. Blazer. We've yep. got to stop doing that before Blade comes out. You know? It's okay, going to take so long. Um, but yeah, because I think Midnight Suns could be a thing that might be in the works in the MCU, which is basically this uh, team of uh, Marvel anti heroes who uh, fight. All the things that go bump in the night, and Moonlight is on that roster. Uh, Ghostbusters. 
Midnight Suns call? is a much yes. cooler okay, name. Okay, so who's in the group? <laughs> okay. Blade, Moon Knight, who else, who, who Blade, else is in it? Moon Knight, uh, Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. Punisher has been in there. Morbius has been in there, but that is not happening. Um, <laughs> Ye gods. Um, who are, oh, Black Knight has been in there. And obviously, you know, Blade has already gone to Black Knight at the end of Eternals yep. for mm-hmm. some sort of recruitment. So if he's getting a band of sorts together, <laughs> it would be not with... He's know, putting a team together. Yeah. He's putting a team together. Oh, boy. Yeah. Then, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see him show up. It would make me very excited, uh, yeah. obviously. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, Ethan Hawke uh, somewhat addressed this. He did a non-denial denial, but he said, you know, I, th- I think if Mark and I were in the same show, he would at least have texted me. So, <laughs> um, that yeah, it has been rumoured, it is out there. Oscar Isaac has been talking about it in interviews as well. Why would this, why would he be the one to turn up? I don't understand particularly why Hulk. Yeah. I mean, Hulk in yeah. She-Hulk, yeah, makes sense to me, 100%. 100%, yeah. You know, Daredevil in She-Hulk makes sense to me, 100%. There's a connection there as well. But I, I, I mean, look, I, I'm sure I'll be proven wrong, but I don't see it. Daredevil has also been a member of the Midnight Suns, but I don't mm-hmm. see that happening in this situation of the MCU. Do you have to pay like a subscription fee? Is there a you know? Do you have to pay like an admission fee to get into this? this Is there Midnight like a Suns jacket? Club? Does it have like yeah. like a like a sort of you know you a bowling hazed? team kind of jacket? You know, it's all very exciting stuff. Uh, all right, we've got about three minutes. So wait, here's... if you got a name badge, Stephen would be all up for it. He would he be. Would. He loves a name badge. <laughs> Uh, it helps him remember who he is, for one thing. Uh, at John C six 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 Dominos, uh, was anyone else screaming? Arthur Harrow has built a cult for Amit. He is killing people and summoning jackal monsters, yes. and is in the desert right now digging up her tomb. Yes, um, which is a good point. They summon him directly from that. He walks yeah. in from the desert. They yeah. go, "Where have you been? Nowhere. Sightseeing. I've been at home watching Netflix." <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel a little bit that that kind of irritating in the trial thing. It's like if he, all he had to do was form a coherent sentence. This is what I'm saying, and he just spectacularly <laughs> failed. Look, yeah. Conchu's an idiot. I think you know well, he's no, he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's very arrogant. He keeps going, "No, you've summoned the worm." But actually, even Mark fucked it though. But yeah. if you yeah. go into that scene saying our argument must be indisputable. I mean, make an argument. Yeah, yeah. Uh, semi-coherent <laughs> I mean, argument is really all we ask. Like, <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> one day we'll get to that. <laughs> I, Maybe. I, I aspire to a semi-coherent argument one day. Oh, if I'm really good. A uh, couple of last ones. Uh, Foul shopaholic. If the gods are supposed to be all-seeing, why didn't they believe Conchu when he says that Harold was trying to raise Amit? They uh, really hate dude, Conchu. He's literally yeah. digging right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you didn't know anything about Moon Knight as a superhero and you only saw that scene in the tomb with the gods interrogating Mark and Conchu. Would you have thought that Harrow was a protagonist or hero instead of Mark and Conchu? Um, that's interesting. I think he's trying to walk that line, isn't it? Mm. But the fact that he's so obviously fucking creepy and evil <laughs> is, is interesting. I think he's trying to make a point about the past trauma that he clearly has suffered whilst being, you know, possessed by the Egyptian moon god Conchu. Yeah. But, you know, and Ethan Hawke's great. And, yeah. I, and again, I love the fact, as we said last week, that it's going out of its way to have scenes where you have Ethan Hawke and uh, Oscar Isaac together. Yes. That's wonderful. But um, I don't know that this is a, a, a bad guy who's, uh, who's, who's 
ambiguous, shall we say. <laughs> Glass in his shoes. <laughs> it's literally the first scene. And then yeah. the next time we see him, he kills an old lady. <laughs> Just yes, Helen, but she was an evil Don't old you lady. Even start with me. You are this. assuming that you can trust Amit, and we do not do that. <laughs> she had it coming. <laughs> she had it coming. She only, only had, had herself to, to blame. blame. If you'd have been there, <laughs> if you'd have seen it, then you would have done the same. Well, <laughs> that just happened. Uh, Saint Wright just had a crazy thought. What if Arthur Harrow is another one of Stephen's personalities? Nope. No. Whoa, no, because other people react to his presence. And yeah. Yes, they yeah, do. That's just, yeah. Unless, no. I mean, this is not a Tyler Durden situation. Spoiler there. I, no, no, I refuse. I don't. I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> Sorry, I reject that with the utmost vehemence. Uh, no, I don't think so because we do see other people interact with him whilst Stephen slash Mark yeah. are somewhere else entirely. So, um, all right. And then the last one is from Beth underscore Wag, who says, "Has Stephen been saying later's gators or later skaters?" Oh, definitely not skaters. See, I funnily enough, like when I first saw it, it sounded like he said later's gator, which is not a thing. It's later's gators. So I initially was saying the way he said it, but I think I just got it wrong when I first saw it. It's definitely yeah. later's gators. I think gators. gators. Yeah, gators, mm. as in alligators, as yes. in see you later alligator in a wild crocodile, but he's later's taken gators. it and put yeah. his own spin on it. So later's he's gators. instantly putting himself in opposition to Harrow, who is crocodiles tattooed on his arm. <laughs> <laughs> That is correct. <laughs> it's all about to kick the fuck off. Uh, but that's next week's episode. I was going to say speculate on what's happening in next week's episode, but we know what's happening in yeah, next week's episode. After that, we're in the dark, just mm-hmm. like Mark. Uh, so very exciting times are ahead. There is an uptick coming, folks. An uptick is coming. But that is it for our Moonlight Episode 3 spoiler special. Join us next week for more Moonlight-related fun. In the meantime, it is time for me to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning squadcast names dancing in the Moonlight. Mr. Toploader himself, Amon Warman. Peace. What's happening? I think that was that the score. Oh, it's the theme tune from Boba Fett. Oh, oh I recognise it. Excellent. I, like, yeah, I, like, I know that as well. Oh. We get it oh. almost oh, every no. night. Yeah, I love a bit of Top Loader. You're love monster. it. <laughs> I'll listen to the soundtrack. I'll listen to the soundtrack. Next week, I'll mm. be able to hum it. <laughs> I shall be testing the story. <laughs> it's goodbye from the ever modest goat oh, no, James that's, Dyer that's a reference to the best moment in the second episode which I think we forgot to talk mm, about when they're walking greater. together and he just goes goat <laughs> and then Arthur turns around and laughs just for no reason and someone put that like on loop on Twitter I was like it's just the most amazing delivery of the line she goes goat and just points yeah, and yeah. It, no. What, what gets me is Arthur just goes yes yes and laughs and just goes yes, yes. And like, yes well done it is a goat and we never talked about one of the best bits in episode one as well where he says you're a conscious avatar and he goes avatar white little blue people I love that <laughs> <laughs> we, we never great. talked about that and either then, no we didn't and then again goes, when, when Harry corrects him on that he starts going anime the anime, anime. Yeah. The anime. Yeah, yeah last airbender yeah. <laughs> that's great it's great anyway so good. I've got to go and do a podcast about better call Saul you philistine stop talking to me uh, it is goodbye from the moon where it happens I want to be in the moon where it happens the moon where it happens toodaloo this is a very musical episode isn't it we're so musical us I know you recognise that one right James Chris yes well yeah because it's a memorable and and well written melody (laughs) 
The disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Listen, next week I'll be fully on board. Fully on board. Love it. Moon night. It's goodbye for me, Humphrey Mogart, of all the podcasts in all the world. Stephen Grant had to walk into mine. Thanks so much for listening. Laters, gators. Thanks. See you this week. Laters, gators. Yeah. Cheers, gators. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. End of the podcast. Yeah. Lovely. See you next week. It's great. See you next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>